1: Hey everybody! Welcome back to our final episode this week with Adam Levy, and I'm joined here with Joe Gore.
0: Hi, psyched to be here again. We've been having a blast with Adam.
1: Yeah, Adam is—it's so fun to talk to him and just kind of sit under the learning tree, as it was. And so th- today's episode, uh, I kind of set this up with a bit of a loaded title. Now it's kind of the myth of twelve keys, and you know, it's me who went to jazz school and graduate school it was really kind of pounded in about learning things in a lot, if not all the keys. But we had quite an interesting discussion, Joe, about where's the line? Like, is it stylistically or is it idiomatically? Like, where's the line? Do you have to learn to be a well-rounded guitar player? Is all 12 keys a necessity? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's a good, I mean, it's a a good question. But as you see when when Adam talks, it goes a little bit beyond that. He, you know, Adam's a, Heavyweight teacher as well as a heavyweight player and former chair of the guitar department at Los Angeles College of Music, and this is a guy who knows teaching. And some of his perspectives on teaching are a little are a little surprising and un, and unusual. And uh, he's certainly not one to suggest anything other than working hard, but um, he also keeps it very very you know humanistic and musical and real. And um, uh, I think he's. Really hit upon something about, you know, keeping eternal learning fresh and exciting and 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 fun and not a not a miserable slog.
1: Yeah. And probably my favorite part is that I finally get to bust my teenage guitar teacher on the real answer that is he tuned down a half step when he plays that famous solo on Tracy Chapman's Gimme One Reason. I could uh, have told you that. I know. I know. But I wanted to hear it right from the guy who yes, played it. It. Is,
0: it is in the key of F sharp with five freaking sharps.
1: <laughs> and he, and uh, so I'm I so mean, six.
0: Oh, <laughs> now I'm going to be in trouble with all my teachers. The key of F sharp is six sharps, not five. B, B, B major is five sharps. Oops.
1: Yeah. So uh, this is a super fun one. We get really nerdy in this. So I hope you check it out. And I hope you check out all of Adam's uh, music and everything he has going on. He has a Patreon going as well. And uh, so let's jump right into it. And here we go with our final episode with Adam Levy. All right, Adam, thank you so much for joining us again. And I have been looking forward to this topic because uh, it kind of drove me a little batty in grad school. And that is the myth of 12 keys. Do we need to learn everything in 12 keys?
2: Oh, wow.
0: Um, Okay. So you said the myth of twelve keys. So you're asking a very loaded question, Jason.
1: I am. Yes, on purpose.
2: (laughs) Right. Um, I should. I'll just say there's one. I'll say one caveat up front, which is that I'm not. uh, I I don't like to put a lot of shoulds in 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 the practice room Uh, because I think that people run down a lot of. Dead ends that way of all the things you should practice. Um, just before we went on, you mentioned that uh, you had to study medieval notation in school, and. Um, You know i know when i was you know coming up there was this idea in in music school and even before that like well if you want to be a studio player you gotta be able to sight read and you gotta be able to play country and rock and you gotta you know be able to do this and that and that and so if you carry all of that stuff with you every time you sit down to practice I i feel like more than likely you're just gonna not get anything done like literally just get nothing done um so when we talk about, like, the myth of 12 keys, I know for some people, this lives in that same zone as all this, like, stuff that you should do. And for me, it's not that way at all. So it might just be the way I'm wired, or maybe I've talked myself into it being a cool thing and not a, not a uh, terrible thing. But, like, okay, I, first of all, I studied with ted green uh, which i think we might have mentioned earlier this week and if you look at any of his handouts like if you go to tedgreen.com there's all these old lessons of his and most of them will tell you there there'll be a little handwritten note at the bottom you know practice this as written and then practice it in and, and he'll mention you know five or six other specific keys which is kind of a shorthanded way to say do this in all 12 keys but he might he might have uh, an intention that, oh, if you wind up doing this in these other specific keys, you're gonna have to figure stuff out because you're gonna run out of the fretboard either on the low end or the high end and maybe have to do some string transference or just rethink what you're doing. He he might be specifically trying to run you into uh, an obstacle that you're gonna have to figure out. But I love that about it. It's like this page of music isn't just a page of music. It could be a week's worth of practice or a month's worth of practice. If you really take it through the keys and don't just go, okay, what's the next page to work on? So that's one reason that I love. I mean, it's, I guess that's one thing that is maybe curious about all 12 keys. Another thing is playing with singers. I've been lucky in my, in my life as a guitar player to work with a lot of singers, uh, well-known singers like Nora Jones and Tracy Chapman, but lesser known singers too. It's always been part of what I've done as, as a player playing my own music and then playing with other people. And you just never know, um, what key somebody's going to want to do something in. And if you're just stuck with the way it is on a record or the way it is in a songbook or whatever, then you don't really know the song. Muscle memory isn't the song. You know, if you, if you think that just like putting your hands in the shapes that you learned them in is equals whatever the song is then then that's you're missing the song so I find that for me if I can play a song and and this is true even not even just of a song but a lick you know a a little melodic idea in all the 12 keys then I really know it because it's not just about finding it in the place that you expect to find it but finding it on a different part of the guitar or a different register or you know just you get to know the thing whether it's a lick or a song a lot better and you get to know the guitar a lot better Mm -hmm. and 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 that's important
1: so to me when i was and again i I came like through a Jazz school, you could say. And yeah. it's, it, it seemed to me like it was more important to be able to take something through the 12 keys than it was to know it in 12 keys. And I think that's a big difference. Like, okay, what's the difference? So the difference to me is like, let's say you have, let's say you're working on drop two chord chips, whatever, just for vocabulary reasons. Uh-huh. Now, learning those inversions across the string sets and up the neck extremely important to to blend that in because mm-hmm. your brain is kind of understanding okay where's the root what's the intervallic makeup of this chord and how does how do those move around as i slide to the next inversion like that skill to yeah. me is more important than taking a song that could use the same exact chords through all 12 keys because you might like you said it's more important to have the tools sharp than to know this vast amount of repertoire. To me, anyways, to be able to at the drop of a hat play it in any key. Is that well, gosh,
2: that's a tricky one because I think they're both, I think both of those things are important. And I'm not sure that I'd want to eliminate one or the other. I'm picturing like an old slapstick routine where two people are trying to get through the doorway at the same time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's true. If you're working on your drop two voicings, it's funny. I'm now having a flashback to a conversation that Joe and I had at the NAM show a couple of years ago about, you know, learning all these drop two voicings that that, um, that you would learn if you were at jazz school and talking about, is that important? Is that not important? If you're at jazz school, it's really freaking yep. important. I would use a stronger word than that, but I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it at that if that's what you're doing, it's of paramount importance that you can do it at the, in all keys at any, on any string set and any time so that you have, so that you don't have to like think about it. It's just there. But at the same time, music is songs. Um, You know, it's not uh, a jury at, music school it's songs so all of that stuff if you can't apply it to songs is to me of limited value so if i was working on my drop two voicings say like, like you like he said i might first just take it through all the keys like this is a minor seven first inversion drop two and i might you know just take it around the circle that's d minor seven Um, And so on, and just do that same form on the same string set around, around the circle of fourths until I could do it without thinking about it. But then I would also try to take a jazz standard that featured minor seven chords and play it in some different keys. And if I couldn't do that, then to me that material wouldn't be as available as I might convince myself that it was. Do you know what I
0: mean? Well, there's also two ways of approaching that, too, because there's the ability to play in any key because you've systematically played and studied songs in all 12 keys, or there's the ability to play in any key because you've just studied a lot of music, period. Um, Right. You know, that telling telling a student, practice this in all 12 keys, I'm not so sure, but using more... um, naturalistic and somewhat random techniques like you do, like in our earlier installment this week, we had a fascinating conversation about how Adam uses dice uh, to, you know, to, to define his practicing session each day. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's the brain killing practice of saying, I will, I will, I will learn this in 12 keys and sit down and I can do it. But then there's, you know, if you each day sit down to practice and you have some new key challenge you eventually yeah. cultivate, you know, the, the ability to do that. I mean, I can generally play stuff in any key, and I never studied, sat down and learned how to play it 12 times. It's just, mm-hmm. you just right. know how to work in keys.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. You know, with regard to the, to the jazz school angle, I would say one thing that students sometimes miss is that the key in the real book is not law. And that I mentioned earlier uh, that working with singers, you never know what they're going to want to do. Um, so if you're trying to learn a jazz standard, say like, I concentrate on you, the Cole Porter song that, that I love, it would behoove you to know it in a few different keys, you know, if not in all 12, in a few keys, Um but then there's there's also other considerations like guitar keys, like we're guitar players. So if you want to take a Thelonious Monk song that's in D-flat and put it in D because it speaks on the guitar, I don't see any problem with that. But you need to be able to, to do the transposition in order f- to make that work. And you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're guitar players. I don't think the guitar is a piano, uh-huh. you know, I like to play pianistic things on it, but I love open strings. And so I might like um, when I talk about playing in all 12 keys, the, the first thing that I'll have my students do if they're working on say a jazz standard is, is play it in the five open keys five guitar friendly keys if we're in major that would be c major a major uh g major e major and d major so thinking like caged so if if we're going to do body and soul i'm just going to go through the chords like i have to know that it starts on two So that's comping through body and soul in C. Uh, I, a, I won't do it in all five because of time, but here it is in A. It starts on the two, so... And of course, not all of those chords use open strings, but you get this beautiful chord here um, that's uh, the five of the six when, when we're trying to get to the F sharp minor instead of just playing a, you know, a, a closed down chord like this where everything is fretted and there's nothing open, you could find these kind of tangy, Sounds with open strings, uh, I guess you'd want to do something like that. So, I find that going through the open keys is a great place to yeah. start because it just reminds us that we're guitar players. And if you can do that, and you own a capo, well, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a really good start
1: capos aren't cheating no no heck no yes.
2: that's a no way. i mean we'll talk to talk about the the myth of of 12 keys the myth that capo is cheating just in the last two or three years i've seen concerts where john schofield used a capo uh it was uh, when he was playing country for old men um he mm-hmm. used a capo uh i saw jimmy vaughn play in austin in february he, that's
1: his that's his whole deal is that Gulf Coast capoed upset. Totally.
2: Um, yeah. Johnny Marr plays with capos. So, you know, uh, if you <laughs> if you think you're better than Jimmy Vaughn and Johnny Marr and John Schofield, then don't buy a capo. Otherwise, <laughs> um, buy capo and, and learn to use it. And then, you know, the other thing about playing in 12 keys. Again, I was just talking about how the chords speak on the guitar. But if you're trying to play a song that has a melody, um, find a place on the guitar where the melody really speaks. A register, depending on what the tune is, mm-hmm. where it could speak. You know, if you have a three-piece band or a four-piece band, find a place on the guitar where you can play the melody and it would sing over the top of whatever else is going on. And then... Build, build everything else around that. And so that might be in a funny key like D flat or, or you know, or B, but it, it, not necessarily so. But part of playing in 12th keys isn't so much just this, um, you know, notion that your professors are would tell you in jazz school that you must. I think about it just more as, well, we're just trying to play music. And so sometimes playing music, Puts us in a key that's different than what the recorded version is the famous record by whomever you're into, or different from what the real book says, you know, Joe Pass recorded uh, around midnight in D minor instead of in E flat minor, because he's mm-hmm. a hard player. Does Joe Pass know how to play an E flat minor? I'm pretty sure he did, but it yeah. opened up the guitar. So to me, that's that's not cheating any more than using a capo.
0: Yeah, but but then my, you know, then my first thought is, yeah, but if you're playing it in E flat minor and you are gonna use a not literally pianistic sound and exploit the open strings, huh. then it's like a, you know E flat minor. Yeah, you've got to open flat two. Mm-hmm. You got to open flat six. Yeah. Um, uh you've got an open sharp four. Yeah. Um it's like the, the open strings are bitching in, in <laughs> quote non-guitar keys. Yeah. Sure.
2: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah.
1: So I've been waiting twenty years probably, Adam, to ask you this question and it totally ties into our topic. Mm. Give me one reason. Yeah. Were you tuned down a half step or not? <laughs>
2: That's really funny. No, I was not, and Tracy Chapman was not. You know, the, the rhythm guitar on that is her. She was playing this uh, old ES one twenty five. I couldn't tell you the year. Joe might know the answer, but she was playing it with this thumb pick. That that rhythm part that everybody knows. That's all like thumb pick downstroke, and then kind of uh, using the rest of her fingers. Uh, upstrokes and downstrokes to get that thing. That was in standard tuning, uh in F sharp. And you can tell by the yep. open string thing. That's kind of the tell yep. when I listen to stuff. And then I was playing my 1979 ES335 T D uh in standard tuning. I mean there's a perfectly good case like in my whole life, how often had I played blues in F sharp? Um
1: exactly. Exactly. Knowing the blue scale all over the neck, vitally important just in case you get called to play an iconic solo like that on record.
2: Yeah. And I, uh, you know, had I not been able to, to go like, okay, cool. Yeah. F sharp. Great. Uh, I'm, I'm into it. Um, if you look down at the guitar, all of the things that you're used to seeing d- don't make any sense, you know, <laughs> But
1: the dots are in the wrong place. You say say that like it's a bad
0: thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. The dots, like, it'd be great to like, have, you know, movable dots. Um, you know, I know over the years, transposable, transposable dots. Yeah. Over the years people have done some interesting things with like, uh, movable pickups, you know, where like you have a pickup that's on a little track that you can move. Or I remember, uh, who was the company that made different fret boards that you could slide in and out?
0: Oh, I don't remember. But you know,
2: you know what I'm talking
0: about, right? But, yeah, and, yeah. and there's also been a million um, learned guitar schemes that have, uh, you know, illuminated frets or right. colored dots on the neck. Right. Right. And, and, and My thing, kind of my things-
1: thing with those is like, okay, best case scenario is you really learn your notes or whatever. Right. So it kind of trains you to make those products obsolete in a way.
2: Right, right, right. If you learn all the stuff that they're supposed to teach you, then you shouldn't need it anymore. I mean, really, the the other thing about playing in all 12 keys, I guess this is, I think what you really need to be able to do on the guitar is have a feel for intervals. If, If you put your, I'm going to put my middle finger down on A. This is fourth string, seventh fret, okay? If in my mind I want to go up a minor third, I need to be familiar enough with how the guitar works to go like, well, I can just stay on the same string and it's three frets up or it's one string over two frets back. Like from this note, this A, there's two minor thirds I can get to without moving my hand. There's other ones that are inconvenient, but might be cool for effect. I just got that up at the 15th fret on the fifth string or
1: uh,
2: first fret at the second string or second string first fret. Um, but within any particular place, you want it to, if you have a melody idea in your head, you want to be able to play it. So even more than like the idea of, of playing in all 12 keys, what I think is important as you practice is to, think about a melody that you want to play, put a finger down somewhere and play that melody from where you are, like, it, which has to do with, um, I guess a ca- learning the cage system is a, a caged system is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. But um, however you think of scales, melodies are just intervals one after another. And in, you know, whether it's diatonic or chromatic, you want to be able to, to work yeah. that way.
1: Well, I'm so glad after all these years of listening to that solo, I'm able... My guitar teacher at the time swore to me that you were tuned down a half step. Really? Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. My guitar... And I'm like, there's no... like, And because I heard that open E, I was like, it seems weird that one guitar would be tuned down a half step and one wouldn't be. I don't don't know. I mean, and so I'm so glad that I finally... I'm going to call him up later and be like, you were wrong. You still know him?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can I can say definitively that the rhythm guitar part is in standard tuning and my solo is in standard tuning.
1: Excellent. All right. What a way to uh, 14-year-old Jason is so excited right now. <laughs> so well, thank you so much, Adam, for hanging with us this week and getting super nerdy.
0: Yeah, Adam. Always a pleasure. Thank
2: you, Jason. Thank you, Joe. Such a treat to talk with you.